Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Tota Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com and make sure you join in the discussion uh, on the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook, which is where we get our Inquisition listener questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, joining me in person to my right. Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And via the internet for the first time in, I, I don't know, know how long. ages, this is John Ross, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, Nebraskan, American, whatever, from Lincoln, <laughs> Western Nebraska. Western Hemispherian. Yes, Western <laughs> Earthling. <laughs> Hello, citizens of Earth. Resident of the Central Time Zone, etc. Uh, John, start us off with church this week. Happy What'd first day of fall. First off, we're yeah. recording oh, this yeah, on Monday, today. first day of fall, and it was sure a lovely, I mean, like, crisp we're in South Carolina, degrees. so, yeah, in South Carolina, the first day of fall is like November 10th or something, <laughs> <laughs> in reality. Well, I mean, you know, here in Nebraska, we've got, like, false fall, and then we've got real fall. This is, this is false fall, even though it's the first, like, calendar day of fall, um, but, you know, 61 degrees when I wake up this morning, I'll, I'll take that. It'll get up to, like, 80s later today, but... Man, that crisp morning. Anyways, uh, Church of Sunday, I had a day off. When was the last time I had a day off? I, I can't we all even we, we all had days <laughs> off. This pretty is much. weird. Yeah. Wow, we're barely qualified to even record this episode. <laughs> That's right. Right. Uh, yeah, so I had a day off uh, from, from well, kind of. I mean, I was still there at like 6.30 helping get things ready and everything and that doesn't count as a day off anymore. Well, I, but then but then I went home and I got the family and then we went to church and then we went to the you know Sunday school and grocery store and and all that all that stuff. Is uh, Bradley? Were you still here super early like normal? Not as early. Yeah, I still met uh, Zeke, one of our worship leaders, for yeah. coffee. At about that's just kind of like your fifteen. That's yeah, kind of like, like your routine. weekly tradition. Yeah, 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 for sure. I got here about seven. Yeah, you know it's it's something that I woke up at eight. It, <laughs> you know, even nice. when I'm not, even when I'm not on. I mean, well, plus you know, I have kids, so they're up anyways. Um, right. But you know, even when I'm not on, I, I like to show up. I, I like to bless the rest of the team by you know taking care of you. Know, the church doesn't have their coffee going yet, so I go in and I get our coffee going. And um, excuse me, breakfast burrito. Mm. Boy, howdy. <laughs> Caliente. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I got that set up, you know, made sure that, uh, um, you know, that the stems and the click and all that stuff were, were good to go and, and whatnot. Um, so I didn't have to worry about them not being all right when I was, you know, otherwise would have been at home. So I took care of all that stuff. Went home, grabbed the fam, came back, did Sunday school, uh, you know, Sailor learned about Jonah, which is which is cool. Made a little fish out of a brown paper sack. It's one of my favorite crafts because it's cute. Um, as far as actual worship service, though, uh, we are in the middle of this sermon series that our South Campus pastor came up with and was adopted by the rest of our campuses for um, kind of social issues. So last week we uh, kind of waxed theologically on... Um, and of course I'm drawing a blank. As I was leading into that, I was like, huh, I don't know if I actually remember what we did last week. I'm going to remember. (laughs) Um, socialism. Yeah. Socialism. Was Jesus a socialist? Yeah. Um, and this week, spoiler alert. I know he wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know why people showed up. Um, uh, this week was immigration, uh, actually. Mm. And, uh, of course the emphasis was, um, that we are called to be both citizens of the kingdom of the left and the kingdom of the right, uh, that we are, you know, that we are called to submit within reason to those leaders which God has uh, has put uh, before us. Um, but at the same time, we are called in the kingdom of the right to love one another, uh, to serve one another, to protect one another, and uh, you know, in in doing so. Uh, glorifying God. And, and we kind of worked from a rubric that came from a document uh, from the Commission on Theology and Church Relations from Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, called Immigrants Among Us, which is a fantastic task, a text. If uh, any of your uh, personal communities are, are dealing with issues of racism, 
uh, or immigration uh, or a combination of both, uh, it, it, it's a really helpful resource and, uh, and certainly transcends those de denominational bounds. Um, Let's see, the band opened up with, uh, with Wonder, which is one of my favorites, Wonder by Hillsong. Uh, we kind of introduced it at Christmas like two years ago, uh, but it's a, it's a killer song. And for the first time, they did the acoustic version of This Is Living Now by Hillsong Young and Free, and they nailed it. Holy mackerel, it was perfect. Um, mm. if, uh, if you're not familiar with some of the acoustic <laughs> versions that Young and Free has put out, um, it's it's really something special and and a big departure from what they usually do with their uh, uh, you know kind of the electronic uh, synth forward stuff. So yeah, that was uh, that was church on Sunday for me. What about you guys? Well, we also had days off. I didn't play. Sort of. Yeah, sort of. Uh, we also had a full day of Very full. of church related activities. Yep. Uh, so after church, uh, Jesse Harper, who is mm -hmm. who is a two time guest. Uh, he got married uh, yesterday afternoon. So Seriously, that's congratulations awesome. Congratulations to, Je yeah, to Jesse. Yeah. Um, and then we had uh, last evening the Emmanuel College Singers mm -hmm. and their choir praise team, whatever you want to call it, that you used to head up, Bradley. I did. Back in the day. Back in the um, day. And <laughs> they are... I mean, the style isn't my thing, right? But holy crap, can they play? Yeah, <laughs> that uh, the the leader on on the piano, man. Like I was, I was, he was facing the choir, uh, basically right in front of the first row, and I was just watching him, and I'm kind of amazed that the keyboard didn't catch on fire. <laughs> Dude, <he's, laughs> He can play. So about he style, are, I mean, are you talking like, uh, like, are we talking like Maranatha, like classic style no, stuff? No, no, or? no, no, no. It's more like they. It, it's kind of a gospel um, okay. choir sure. kind of kind of vibe. Um, kind of Kanye Westish. I don't know if you'd call it like black gospel. Maybe I mean there was some of that, um, but you know he mixes it up good. I mean there was some like kind of old school toe tapping um, choir music and mixed with some really good praise and worship. I nice. mean they did everything from uh, what's what, who does that song? It's your breath in my lungs. Couldn't tell you. Um, anyway, I can't remember, but um, they they mixed it up. But it was the dude. The, the group is great. I mean, there's about. I don't know, 50, 60 students in the choir, and they have a live band. Kind of amazed our stage didn't fall in with all those people on <laughs> For it. For real. And they, I think they were using some Ableton uh, multi-track stuff, too. A little I, bit, yeah. I heard some horns and stuff, and there were no horn players. Right. Uh, but they did it really well. Either that or they had I mean, the guy from was, Police Academy on a mic, you know, kind of chilling in the back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but they, I mean, they just, I mean, they got up, those kids got up and just worshipped Jesus, and it was such a good... I don't know, just a great service to just kind of, you know, we kept it really laid back yeah. and informal and just everybody enjoyed just a, a service of worship. It was really good. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we also had uh, Brian Onkin mm -hmm. guest preach uh, out of First Peter 5 yep. uh, regarding elders. Yep. Uh, gave a nice charge to our about-to-be-installed new mm -hmm. elders and to the congregation as well of, you know. Yep praying and all that kind of good stuff so yeah. that that went really well i thought yeah it's always good to have him right i wanted him to we're going to have our our installation service for the new elders in october and he's going to be in colorado i was wanting him to be here for that service but he he's scheduled to speak in colorado and uh so i asked him to come this week and he just kind of gave gave some really good um, instruction from First Peter to the church and the elders, like you said, and prayed over us, prayed with the church. I mean, that's what we're doing right now is we're kind of in a month of prayer um, before the new elders are installed. Uh, so we kind of we've been taking time every service to pray with the church about that. And so Brian led us through that yesterday, and um, you know he's just. I always love having him come. You know, he's like oh, yeah. a he's a pastor to our pastors uh, here at Res. So yeah. Keep, really keeps good. you in check. Keeps me in check. I meet with him every week, and uh, he, you know, he keeps me in check and cares for my soul, which is so good, so valuable. Yeah, yeah. So our 
primary topic uh, kind of stems from you, John, where uh, you apparently at Christ Lincoln have transitioned away from electronic drums or electric drums, however you want to call it. We have. Uh, back to an acoustic kit, uh, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. But at the same at the same time, it's not like you're, it's not like you're more sanctified for it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're not well. extra holy because you have acoustic <laughs> drums. Uh, but we were just going to talk about you know since we've had some really long <laughs> episodes recently. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Just some. Uh, are we? No. Eh, no. No, we're not. <laughs> um, just some you know gear and setup. And, well, not necessarily gear, but how we set up, how we think about these kind of things that don't necessarily have uh, spirituality tied mm-hmm. to them, if you will. Yeah. Like you can, you can go either or or neither with most of these, all all of these things rather, and it, you know, for cool. sure. I mean, whatever. Not, we're, I mean, not even getting as deep as. Uh, you know, regulative versus normative. I mean, we're just talking about the right. tools um, of your particular, you know, worship method. Um, right. Yeah. Right. So uh, we also made that switch, what, about a year and a half ago? Uh, back Something like that. Or maybe longer. Uh, we used to have uh, Roland V-drums, if I remember yep. correctly. And pretty cool. high-end yeah. electronic drum set. Yeah, that's and what they, we were running as well. Yeah. They do sound good. Um you know, yeah. especially for electronic drums, but at the same time, you don't get that feel. No, there's not the same no. feel, and I don't know. There's something going on with our sound system where it was pretty much impossible to hear anything from the toms in the first place. <laughs> um, yeah. So when, when we when we switched back to acoustic, it was just like, oh man, mm-hmm. <laughs> you get that thump mm-hmm. from the kick. Like you yep. you actually feel the crash symbol a little bit. Yeah, uh, especially because we don't we don't have a cage. Yep. We have yep. uh, symbol uh, shields. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what you call? We them? need a cage, but we would benefit from one. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like where would we put it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, because you're a smaller you're a smaller sanctuary too. You know, yeah, right. Um, well, the the singers that came last night they had they put a cage around the drums. Oh, they did. They did, and it it you know all those bodies up on the stage. The, the choir was set up, and they kind of covered the drums. Yeah, that's that's why and I that, didn't see it. <laughs> but the sound was of the drums was a lot better because we could control it more. Right, it's uh, all they, about the control. It's all about the control. So, so was was their cage? Did they have a roof on it too, nope. or did it just surround? Just surrounded it. More, just more, well, more of a drum shield, <laughs> sort of the plexiglass. Yeah, drum shield. Yeah. There you go. Yes, not a cage. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't full fishbowl. It was just partial yeah. fishbowl, right? <laughs> you know, which is you know that's that's the whole. Th- Go ahead, John. Oh no, I, I was just going to say, you know, at, at Christ Lincoln, uh, we were on Roland V drums as well, the TD fifty uh, for nerds out mm-hmm. there with uh, you know all mesh heads and um, yep, you know USB symbols and and the whole the whole shebang. Um, you know, multiple different, and you can switch. You can switch the models and all that. Like you can yeah, have yeah. your kick drum sound like an old school eight hundred eight or something. You know, like and that. honestly, um, that was one of the reasons why we got away from it. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So our front of house guy Lars, who we had on a number of episodes ago, and myself are, mm-hmm. um, we recognize the great strides that have been made in music technology. You know, there's no doubt about that. I mean, things like the Helix and and the pods before it and. Uh, whatever it may be. Um, but there's something about realism uh, that, you know, that, yeah. I mean, you alluded to earlier, that just feels better. I mean, we've had this conversation with uh, with AMP versus modeling before. Um, well, I, I don't know if we've had this conversation, but in general, uh, the conversation has happened. And, and, and yeah, you know, modelers sound great, but at the end of the day, it, it always feels and sounds better if you're moving real air. Uh, even mm-hmm. if that real yep. air is then picked up on a microphone. Um, and that was our experience this past Sunday. It was the first Sunday we did it um, because we used to use acoustic drums, and we, we tried shields, and we tried all sorts of everything. Um, and our old acoustic drum set was, was one of the old PV sets that PV used to make really, really nice trap sets. And it was loud as just all get out. You know, it, it was your proper rock kit. And 
you know, we switched over to a D-drum kit that we had had that was uh, outfitted with mesh heads and triggers um, for doing, you know, stuff on the road. Uh, we used to do that on the regular. And so we reheaded that. We, uh, you know, threw some, some really high-quality um, batter heads and rezzo heads and tuned everything up and um, used this, uh, this new stuff called drum dots. It's kind of like moon putty for any drummers out there who know what uh, this stuff is. And it's, it's just kind of this little, like, rubbery thing that you kind of just throw on a drum head or on a cymbal bell, yep. and it just kind of calms it down a little bit. Yeah, and we have the, uh, the blue, I think they call them moon gels. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, those things are awesome. Yep, and uh, you know they accomplish the same thing. Drum dots are, are repositionable, which is kind of cool. They don't Ooh. actually they, they don't have an adhesive on them. They just kind of you know awkwardly sticky, and they uh, you know what it it made a really big difference, a big enough of one that we were confident going into this Sunday. Um, you know, of course we had our dB meters and everything out during rehearsal, but a full space responds differently, um, and. You know, back to the digital piece. You were you're definitely right. They they do sound good. There are some things that aren't quite believable. Cymbal rolls, even drum rolls, mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that. They they just don't come through as well, especially mm-hmm. when you have other drummers who are more used to how a uh, how an acoustic kit reacts rather than you know a, a digital kit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the same thing. You can't be an acoustic player and pick up an electric and expect to you know be able to use the same exact technique. You know, sure, it's right. it's the same type of instrument. It's in the same world, and you play it similarly. But you know, there are some differences there. Now I'm back so to the. Brad, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no. Well, uh, I was I was going to ask Bradley or you, John, at the same time. Like, what was the what was your like? You said you had some issues with the former acoustic kit. What was the thought process in moving to an electric kit? Because that was done long before I got to res. And then, and then once we got into our remodel and all that kind of stuff, it was like, yeah, let's go ahead and move into acoustic just because it sounds better. Well, for for us, it was all about the size of the room and being able to control the sound. I mean, yeah. you know, when we when we went to electric drums, we didn't have. I don't know that we had any acoustic treatment in the sanctuary at that oh, time man. at all. Yeah. And uh, then we did a facility. A, a, a more minor facility upgrade remodel in 2007, 2008, some running there. And we added acoustic panels then. Um, and we still, ke- you know, kept on with the electric drums. But, you know, the, the, the more control we got over the room, the, there was just a growing desire from, from the band, particularly from our drummers. And, you know, from me, I just, I prefer the, the the dynamic capability, mm-hmm. um, just it's, the authentic it's sound. It's just it's, organic. I mean, we got to throw that word in somewhere, yeah, it, right? It, right. Um, it breathes. Somebody tell Keith. The sound it breathes. I the mean, sound breathes. You know, artificial is never going to be as good as real. That's right. just. I mean, right. You, mm-hmm. That's with. That's true with anything. And I think that you know every church has to decide. Oh yeah. You know, it, it, it's a little bit of pick your poison. That's a really negative way to say it. With acoustic drums, you're going to battle stage noise. There's just no way around yep. it. Uh, you can cage it all you want to, but you're going to battle it, and your drummers are going to have to adjust based on the room mm-hmm. and you know the style of music you do. They're going to have to control themselves. Uh, on an electric kit, they can wail away as hard as yep, they yep. want to, and but it's just not going to be and as we, good. We had a janky cymbal that you had to wail on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but John's right. I mean, it's particularly with cymbal rolls and tom rolls, uh, swells, um, yeah. you know, in ballad songs, you know, where you, you want to be able to have some really soft um, accents here yeah. and there with cymbals and, and toms and what have you. You just can't do that as well with electric drums. Yeah. Now, someone, someone out there money is, is going to say, oh, we well, just need to change your patch. You just need to change this, change that. And it, Wrong. At the, at the end of the day, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can, you can go and you can change levels and you can change settings and you can make it sound like an 808. You can go to a jazz kit. You can do whatever you want. And there is great yeah. versatility there. Um, but, you know, when we were talking about the reason why I left the Line 6 world, um, even why I sold off my HX stomp in favor of my Geneva is... a boy. 
you know, it's thanks. At some point, <laughs> at some point, there, you just end up spending so much time with the gear rather than how you're using it. And um, in one of the worship yeah. guitar forums uh, today, Caleb Neff, uh, who some of you might recognize, I, I, I don't know him personally, but he posted a. Um, a video of a, someone playing like Super Mario Brothers or Tetris or something with the Helix, like through MIDI control or something, mm-hmm. using the foot switches <laughs> to move your character. And he used that as kind of an allegory to say, you know what, this is why I left the Helix, is I found myself messing and, and tweaking and so much more than just playing. And, mm, right. you know, from, while that's a risk, there's also the, the very real possibility or reality that our drummers, your drummers, probably don't have a top of the line Roland TD50 at home, and you know aren't able to go in and be like, oh yes, these are the patches I want, and do you and, and mm-hmm. you know set up mm-hmm. a foot switch and go between sets and or program Ableton to do it for you or or whatever. I mean, when we're talking that we are a volunteer base, you know, we we've got to keep in mind that sometimes you run into option paralysis. And you just need to whack a thing with a stick and make it sound good. You know? <laughs> yeah. I've never, you know, like uh, a sa- nine out of ten sound guys are going to prefer electric drums <clears throat> because they have complete control over them. If right. you give them an option and they say, you know, electric or acoustic, they're going to say electric most of the time because they, they have complete control. Mm-hmm. And then nine out of ten drummers are going to say, I want to play acoustic drums, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, and, and so you just have to decide, you know, what works best for you. I feel like even though we're struggling right now to control the sound of them, it's just better. Yeah. Uh, right. Everybody's having more fun uh, on stage and I, I, we can control it enough that, you know, it's yeah. doable. It just, um, it, so. it just breathes and you don't have to worry about, Oh, you know, how loud I kick translates into how loud the sample is going to play or, if right, I hit right, the right. wrong part, a different sample is going to play. And, you know, and on the sound guy uh, territory, you know, Lars and I are, I mean, we both come from the studio world. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we are the one in, we are the one in 10 that says, yeah, call real is so much better. Yeah. Uh, now, and, now in terms of, uh, you know, the, so it's not just about drums. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite uh, changes that we made with our new space is, how we run the guitars mm-hmm. where where previously it was um hey just point it toward point your amp toward the back and we'll <laughs> mic it mm-hmm. and, that, and that was fine but it was oh, yeah. also really loud stage volume very loud um mm-hmm. because you know you, you got to turn up an amp make it sound good yeah, so absolutely. now we have uh those radial SGI boxes okay. running underneath the stage to what used to be our baptismal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we have a portable, a portable mm-hmm. one, uh, because nobody should have been getting in that thing toward the end in the first yeah, place. That <laughs> you got about fifty years old. You got to have your uh, your tetanus shot updated to get yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so now we have that walled off. And I'm running a Vox AC15 into a into an ISO like a Jet City yep. ISO cab, and that thing it's it's so controlled, but I'm able to turn it up enough yep. that it just sounds sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I mean, uh, and there's there's so much control, and it sounds incredible. But I'm not killing anyone. Exactly. <laughs> um, for those of you who have played through a, like a 65 Fender Twin, I mean, you know how loud they are. Uh, to give you an example of how these isocaps react to it, um, our rhythm player had, was going through a twin on five and into one of these these cabs. And, of course, you have to tweak the EQ a little bit, you know, and change it a little bit for what you would want if you were mm-hmm. playing in, in just live air. They uh, tend to it, be a little mid-heavy. Oh, yeah, and, like, low-mid can get a little woofy because it's a closed enclosure. I mean, just like you'd get from right. a closed-back cabinet. Um, but it contained it just fine. And, you know, we have our, our ISO cabs. We actually use those exclusively. We have three of those Jet Cities on stage. And uh, and, and we do have them on stage um, just because we don't really have a better place to put them. We did at one point have these, like, amp ISO boxes we built that were kind of behind stage. Those things They were junk. Um, and plus, you know, tube amps get hot. It just, it just wasn't a good thing. So these Jet City ones are, are pretty cool. 
and you can have multiple mics in them. Uh, we've actually switched mm-hmm. the speakers out in two of them uh, and replaced them with Celestion G, uh, G12Ks, um, which were 8-ohm speakers instead of the 16-ohms that came stock with them just so we can run them with you know, a wider range of amps that you know, our players Fair enough. have. Uh, so other other circumstances of worship, uh, Bradley. Let's get into the preaching world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you use a table uh, as opposed to a podium or mm-hmm. like one of those old school elevated pulpits that you have to ascend like three flights of stairs oh, to yeah. get to. Which yeah. I mean, that would be pretty awesome. But <laughs> it's it's something. It really is something when you're in one. Yeah. Where where we used to have uh this I mean, really nice wooden podium that someone had built with like our logo and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh but the thing was heavy. It Very literally heavy. took two people to move. Um and if and if you're trying to move or transition between uh music and preaching, like Hey, mm-hmm. come here and help me. Oh, by the way, let's not knock over the drum set and yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, so now it's just a table that, hey, yesterday, none of the table placement got jacked up. <laughs> Where the last two times I didn't do the table, it got messed up. It either got forgotten or it wasn't on the X. Oh, okay. So that was your doing, right? Because, yeah, Brian used a a music stand, and you just placed it for him. Right, right, right. So that is the first time in at least three or four times where I didn't move it, and it didn't get screwed up. Just just as an aside. (laughs) Just as an aside. Um, So it's, you know, we just have a little table up there. Uh, What's your thinking behind that? Well, you hit on one thing. I mean, you know, just because we bring it out at the end of worship, um, and it's, it's not out front when we're doing praise and worship. Um, and so it's brought out. So just the weight, I mean, just yeah. being able to move something that's light and quick and easy, um, and has a little bit more room than a, just a, a regular music stand. Um, yeah. it, it has more room on it than that. Uh, which you've got I like. your, you've got a water bottle up I got there. A water bottle. I got my Bible. I got my iPad with my notes on it. And, and, you know, sometimes I might have, you know, if we're doing an announcement about something in particular that people need to go pick up at the welcome center, I might have that on the table. So it, it just has more room than a traditional music stand mm-hmm. and it's lighter and it's easier to move. That's one reason. The other reason is what I might call accessibility. Sure. Is that I, I felt like the podium, a big podium, because I, I needed, when, when someone built that podium that we had, I needed it sizable enough that I could get everything on it that I needed without right. it being yeah. awkward, and I felt like something was going to fall off. And the bigger that thing is, the more I feel uh, distance from the congregation. Mm. Yeah. You know, like there's something massive in between us, and I just don't like that feel. Uh, the table is flat, obviously. Um, it's a you know it's a high top table, but it's flat. And to me, when you watch like the sermon videos, uh, or at least when I do anyway, I don't know if people think about it this way, but you almost don't even notice the table because mm-hmm. it's black. Our stage four is black. The back wall is black, uh, and so it almost just sort of blends in right. to the whole stage thing. And so instead of there being some large structure on stage, it's really just almost like there's nothing there, and it just to me feels more accessible, which I I prefer. Right, that was sure. the Thinking behind it, right? And what you're what you're not saying is that our approach is better because there no. there are some guys that prefer a larger pulpit or something because it carries authority. Uh, you see somebody standing behind this massive lectern, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh. Maybe I should listen to that. So it's it's really just kind of which the, I which I appreciate. Yeah, I, I think there is a. It's not a right or wrong. It's it's a preference kind you of. You know, thing. and and I think again, it's kind of like with acoustic acoustic drums, electric drums. There there's some loss and gain either way. Uh, with electric drums, you gain control and you but you lose some dynamic. With acoustic drums, you lose some sound control, but you gain more of that feel and dynamic that you want. With what we're doing, it's more accessible. Yep. But there is also the possibility that 
you you lose some of that sense of awe and wonder about the moment of preaching because you know a, a big lectern and a, even those ones that are elevated in in some you know more liturgical churches it creates this feel doesn't it yeah. it creates yeah. a, you know like yep. my our friend my friend Seth Kane that was on our a podcast a good while back um you know he he's pastoring an anglican church and you know when he when he does communion they you know they put on the they got the vestments the vestments yeah. and all that yep. stuff and it and it creates a sense of respect and awe and wonder about what we're doing and so i i can appreciate both sides of that um i think you just again it's it's not one is right and one is wrong, but it's it's a matter of what 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 fits best and works best for your congregation. Yeah, yeah when, you know it's, when my it, it, oh go ahead, Cody. I was just gonna say when my when my sister in law got married, it was I don't remember the the city is, but it was in Virginia where there's a lot of colonial history and stuff like that. And uh, during you know when when my wife had to be there super early, I was kind of walking around that town, and they have the church where. I don't remember exactly what it was, but like George Washington went to this church and, mm. and they have like pews marked with, you know, this, this yep. dude, you know, sat here and whatever. And they had, they so still even, had that. So what you're saying is even 200 like 200 some years ago, people still had their own pews. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that was, a, that was when they had, that was when you bought a pew, yep. like a family pew. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, but they still had the old school pulpit, and and obviously this was before modern acoustics and oh, PA yeah. systems and all that. So that was that was part of it. Yep. But you can just imagine somebody like ascending this and literally talking down to everyone. But oh, at the same sure. time, like it just looks cool. <laughs> well, you know, there, there's a combination of uh, of preference and in, in culture here, yep. and and you know. You know, we gotta. We, we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge. You know that there were some, uh, uh, some, oh, what uh, the significance of imagery in, in not the early church, but the earlier church. Uh, you know, things like the gospel procession, where uh, mm-hmm. you know you would bring the uh, you'd bring a crucifix, you'd bring um, altar candles, and you'd bring um, a massive copy of scripture to the middle of the congregation. Um, to read the gospel because uh, Emmanuel, God with us. You know, there was a lot of imagery that was rich because, you know, education wasn't awesome, you know, back then. And so they relied on these sort of ancillary things to reinforce and, and to magnify, you know, what they were, what they were teaching mm-hmm. and, and, you know, what they wanted to accomplish. Um, yeah. I think uh, I think also too in the earlier church, communication styles were a bit more homogenous. I mean, there the, yeah. the, the same approach was taken by most preachers and communicators, and now there's <laughs> there's a lot more diversity. I would say among you know you, th- you take somebody like John Piper, and you know he has you know, an an emotional style to his communication, but it also has a very much a a lecture kind of feel. Right. And he stays behind a podium pretty much the whole time. He's animated with his arms, um, but he doesn't really move. He doesn't walk. Right. Um, I move and I, I feel like my communication style is much more interactive yeah, with people than it is than than someone like John Piper or maybe R.C. Sproul. You you are definitely a meanderer. Yeah, I meander, and and so the table works for me. You know, right. a, a lectern feels like, you know, I'm tied to a fence post. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, um, uh, Aaron at uh, at Christ Lincoln um, goes completely notesless um, to a point. Um, you know, he, he doesn't use traditionally. We had a uh, kind of a lectern that would be brought out for the sermon that matched the kind of aesthetic that uh, that we had going on at the time. Uh, but you know, Aaron's preaching style, um, he just does not rely on on you know written notes um, or, or doesn't use them. Instead, we have a uh, kind of a confidence monitor up front. Um, that shows you know what the next slides are and whatnot, and so every scripture reference has uh, has its own slide and, and things like that, and so he uses that as kind of visual bullet points. 
Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. One thing's not better than the other, but uh, you know, just got to be sensitive to culture and mm-hmm. preference and what makes you most effective. Yep, good stuff. Uh, how about we take a break here and come back for our Inquisition? I think I need a better drama. Say what? Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast, where Stan, who also happens to be my dad, and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a discussion about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, or your other favorite podcast listening platform, and check out all7days.com. All right, and we're back with our Inquisition listener questions, which we get every week from the uh, mm-hmm. podcast lounge. Uh, Brian Morris asks, what's your favorite song currently in your church's worship rotation? I'll take that. Uh, my favorite is My Feet Are on the Rock by I Am They. Uh, one reason, it's it's a good old kind of folksy southern southern rock sort of thing. Uh, but it's also in my range, which is <laughs> which is important. <laughs> there you go. Which is not Chris Tomlin's range. No, no. I've uh, I've gotten I, I've got the the worst parts of every range in the book. So I've got the worst part. I've got the high parts of bass, and I've got like the low parts of baritone. You know, it's it's uh, you know makes things interesting. But yeah, that's that's probably my favorite at the moment. Bradley, you got one, or do I need to go first? Go first, and let me think. Uh, mine's kind of between Psalm 34, Taste and See by Shane and Shane, mm-hmm. uh, but originally by God, because God wrote <laughs> Psalm 34. Um, and also Shane and Shane's uh, arrangement of Is He Worthy? Uh, they're both just really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I would, I think I was going to say Psalm 34. Um, I love Is He Worthy? Um, yeah. And we've said, I love Mighty Cross, too. I mean, we've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, but I love that one. I love Oh, Praise the Name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I just I love those anthem kind of feels. So, yeah, those would be my favorites. Yep. Okay, uh, one more from Brian Morris. Everyone only has so much time in a day, and there's so much good and bad content to consume. So what's your criteria to determine uh, what's best for your personal consumption in regards to podcasts, reading blogs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. YouTube videos, whatever. Hmm. I, I mean, again, I'll preface by saying um, I'm not suggesting that people model me in all these kinds of things. Right. It's just me. Um, I'm pretty narrow if, if I'm honest with what I consume, um, and there, when I and when I say that, I I don't mean that it's not that I don't read or listen outside of my, you know, sort of tight mm-hmm. circle. I do, but it's 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 always a venture out. You know, it's it it's um you know the the pipers and the sprolls and and you know that's kind of where I live. Um, right. You know, people in that genre um, is, is where I live and read. And then, you know, someone might recommend a book or Cody, you recommend podcasts frequently and, and I'll take a listen, you know, and I'll, uh, or if I'm wrestling with, you know, some sort of um, tension, I might go and listen to, you know, the quote unquote other side of the coin from people that I know would, would have a different take than me just mm-hmm. to, just to, you know, keep myself fresh in, 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 yeah. in the debate. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not one of these like people that just have this wide swath of people that I listen to. I, I just, I feel like there's so much out there and maybe it's my age. Maybe it's, I don't know, but I, I just, I feel like too many options and too much stuff is, is not what I want right now. So that's just me. Um, yeah. um, 
I don't know. I, I, I tend to focus on where I'm at at Scripture, um, you know, the people that I like and appreciate their, their take on Scripture. I mean, that's, that's my focus. Um, but, um, but I enjoy, like, who's the guy, the post-millennial guy? Jeff Durbin, uh, no, Doug were, Wilson, Doug Wilson. Yeah, you know, I love, I love Doug Wilson. His, his wordsmithing is just he's, so he's, much he's fun. just so entertaining. So I'll go out and listen to him some, and um, you know, but I don't agree with everything he says. But well, of course I, not, he's Presbyterian. I, but I would not, <laughs> I would not get in a debate with that guy. No, not so much. Has anybody ever listened to the? Um, if you got, I know Cody has. But if you listen to the A Night on Eschatology that. Piper did yes. with Doug Wilson. Um, yes. Who else was there? Sam uh, Storms. Sam Storms. And mm-hmm. who's the other guy? I don't remember the, the other guy. Pre- yeah, that guy. that guy was dispensational, right? Yeah. And then you had Storms on the A-mill and then Wilson for post-mill. And it, it's, it's just really good. It, that is a well-spent two hours. Yeah. If you want to listen to something that about eschatology that. my favorite my favorite line which is what sold me on the Amil position was actually from uh, Doug Wilson you know because Amil is technically a subset of postmillennialism yeah and all that kind of stuff yep. uh, but but you know Wilson making the the uh, the preterist argument of most of Revelation is about Jerusalem being destroyed. Uh, when he's talking about the number of the beasts, he says, let he who is wise understand. He's like, now what good would it do a first century Christian living in Palestine to figure out what 666 means and then go, well, who the heck is Henry Kissinger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just such a great line. Yeah, it is. Um, so I guess for me, I kind of have the opposite approach of I, you, I Bradley. Know you well, you well that's that's a lot of that's because of of how I make money. Which, when you're stuffing circuit boards, uh, there's a lot of. Uh, th- my brain could go totally dormant for that. So I like to keep my mind active so in terms of listening or even you know if i have a a youtube video that's not super visual heavy it's keep the brain active Mm -hmm. uh, which is how i listen to so much stuff uh, or audible books even Mm -hmm. um so so it really kind of depends on on what's going on i don't like to listen to nothing but heavy stuff (laughs) Uh, uh, believe it or not i'll listen to stuff like the happy rant um, or myths and legends, which is a lot of fun, mm-hmm. um, where the guy basically rewrites these, you know, old fairy tales and mm-hmm. Viking legends and whatever, and and it's really quirky and and whatnot. Um, or I'll listen to some science podcasts here and there, uh, mm-hmm. but it's I'm mainly trying to keep my mind active. Another good one is Murder Etc., which is about uh, uh, the murder of a Greenville city drug cop in the 70s which very likely convicted the wrong guy so that one's been really interesting to listen to just for the nice just for the story about that recently yeah someone mentioned that yeah yeah Yeah. so that one's been a lot of fun uh but anyway it's for me it's it's mainly about keeping my mind active during the day and not turning into a vegetable for sure um you know as far as you know Theological and, and scriptural content. You know, I'm I'm kind of a a, a blend, right? Um, you know, getting more acclimated, uh, familiar with uh, with the more reformed, you know, side of things. Oh, um, man. You know, being a you know being born and raised and still a practicing Lutheran. Um, The concept of is this my faith or is this my parents' faith is always the forefront of my mind. Yeah, and and so I found myself in in recent years gravitating towards uh, just like you mentioned, Bradley, people who may hold the you know uh, an alternate position or a complementary position to uh, you know to to something that that you know I hold firm to and. Because I, I seek to understand, right? So I'll, I'll listen to, um, I'll listen to a lot of Piper um, because 
Although I, I agree with a great many things, there are a few things that that don't match, you know, the faith that I was brought up in. Um, my, my <laughs> I keep unplugging my headphones. Embarrassing. <laughs> um, we are professionals and, uh, here. We are. Uh, one of my, you know, one of my favorite YouTube uh, little segments is, uh, um, oh, it's, uh, um, oh, it's, it's, what, oh my goodness. It, it's a, it's a Baptist guy. It's, uh, what, there's a uh, lot of those. It, it's when we understand the text. That's oh yeah. The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Gabe Hughes. You know, Yes, and I adore that stuff. And, and even though I don't, uh, I don't match one for one on a few things. You know, obviously in general, uh, we we do. Um, you know, and at the same time, uh, you know, I'll go back to you know Pirate Christian Radio with uh, Fighting for the Faith with Chris Roseborough, and uh, yep. uh, what used to be called uh, Ever Worldview Everlasting um, with uh, Jonathan Fisk, another another popular kind of Lutheran pundit, so to speak. And uh, to to better understand uh, my position, why I hold it, or or to be convinced, you know, to the other side, and to guide me to more critically, uh, you know, receive from Scripture uh, without having my own kind of preconceived uh, understanding, you know, get in the way. Uh, as far as entertainment, though, um, you know, I don't watch television. I I, I just don't. You know, I, I watch. Uh, um, you know, I, I watch and listen to, honestly, a good deal of stuff about, uh, about automotive stuff, um, you know, like the, the Muscle Car Podcast um, uh, with, uh, uh, well... We would matter. just end up hurting ourselves, Bradley. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, that and, and, uh, and also stuff on amateur radio and, and, and whatnot. I've started listening to a few podcasts about scouting. I'm a, I'm a scout leader now for my boys and... And kind of gone, uh, gone all in on that. So, you know, a combination of uh, you know, being uh, just being conscious of of what you know what I hold to, and at the same time also expanding my interests. So, yeah, that's me. Let's do uh, let's do one more. We've got a couple others, but they can they can wait. Uh, this one's <laughs> this one this one will be fun. Brock McGinnis asks of all the questions you've been asked to address that you've secretly said you would never address. Which question have you been asked the most? So, so stuff that you don't want to, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't want to necessarily say, hey, yes, this is, I'm staking my claim here. Yeah. That you get asked a lot. Where you, whether it's, whether it's you just don't want to stir that pot mm-hmm. or, or maybe even you haven't studied up on it enough. Maybe it's not a really a, great interest point for you or something of the sort um or maybe you just feel like you're relatively ignorant on it <laughs> um i mean i can think i mean of, i can think of a couple um and it's not so much that i don't want to answer them because i haven't studied or um you know i don't want to stir pots mm-hmm. it's more about the questions are loaded. Oh yeah, with preconceived yeah. notions. Uh, when, for example, when people hear about my Pentecostal background, yep. Are you, you know, and I get the question comes in all different, you know, flavors, right? I mean, it's, it, 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 are you a Pentecostal? Do you believe in such and such? What do you think of the Pentecostal movement or mm-hmm. the charismatic? You know, all those kinds of things, and the, the the difficulty with that question, that kind of question. Same is true with, are you a Calvinist? Yeah. Okay, because they're trying to pin you on. Well, do you deny free will? Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'm getting to the point now when I get either one of those two questions. My my first response is, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I need to make sure we're talking about the same things when we use these yeah. terms. Because what, the definitions what you, are vital. What do you mean by Calvinist? What do you mean by Pentecostal? What do you mean by Charismatic? How do you understand those yeah. things? Because that's going to determine, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. it's like when 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 uh, Jesus was asked uh, by the Pharisees was was John the Baptist um, was his was his ministry um, how was the question posed was it from God or from man 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, or no, no, no. They asked him. I can't remember. Man, I'm drawing a blank. What is my problem? Anyway, Samsonite. Samsonite. Yeah. <laughs> um, Weren't they asking about the baptism? Is the yeah, baptism they were asking from God about the baptism? Because um, his response was, "I baptize you with water, but one who will come and you know, uh, for which I prepare the way for to uh, uh, to baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit, or something along those lines." Let's see. Luke twenty is what Google says. I should like insert some elevator music here. Yeah. Okay, so Luke 20, the Pharisees, or Jesus was preaching at the temple. Chief priests and scribes with the elders came up and said to him, tell us by what authority you do these things, and who is it that That's gave right. you this authority? And he said, okay. I will ask you a question. Was John's baptism yeah. from heaven or from man? Yep. And, and That's right. Okay, there we go. And so it, it, what Jesus is doing there is he's trying to, I think, clarify that they, they, we've got differing, under, different understandings here of authority. Right. You know, uh, he, I don't think he was playing games with them. I think he was trying to, you know, have a fruitful conversation, really, mm-hmm. uh, which they were not, you know, intending to have. But so for me, that's, that's one of the hardest Thing. I, I don't mind getting asked about controversial things yeah. necessarily. It's it's you know when I feel like the terms are off is when it's it gets more difficult. about the intent and the exactly. terms and exactly. you know some people some people want you know their egos to be massaged. They want to hear that they're right or etc. Right, or they're trying to pin, pin me into a corner that yeah. with a term that I don't want to be pinned into. Right, for um, sure. So. Especially one that could be misconstrued or misunderstood. Exactly. Um, you know, for me, it's 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 pretty simple. Like, um, regardless of the of the topic, I, I think it's it's really anything that any question that's asked that has the uh, uh, the asker's intention to pit me against someone else on a personal level. I, I think those are the Ooh, ones yeah. that I. That I, uh, you know, definitely stray away from the, the kind of divisive uh, things. When uh, the when the goal is you versus them, basically. Yeah. When the when the when the goal is chaos, you know, um, those are the ones that I, that I'll often refrain from. But you know, questions in in general, um, you know, even if they're they're difficult, you know, speaking on you know going back yep. to more scriptural theological things, um, you know, I, I instead of having it be an answer, I like to turn it into a discussion, uh, you know, to, in order to uh, increase understanding on both sides. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really in the game of, uh, of playing into someone's desire to, you know, uh, oh, yeah. cause what divisions rec- among us. You know what I mean? What are we recommending this week? Go John. Okay. So, uh, much in the same vein as our listening, watching, reading, uh, question, what do we find is good for you? Um, you know, going back to the piece about, you know, exposing yourselves to kind of the, the alternate, uh, viewpoints. Uh, I was listening to a ask pastor, John Piper, man, that's, he's a guy. Um, Man, if we have him on the show, we're just going to replace all syndicated episodes with just that episode and just call it good. Um, <laughs> just so they can all be know, John Piper instead yeah. of just John Piper references the whole time. Yes. So I was listening to an episode of Ask Pastor John last night where they were talking about, is baptism uh, necessary for salvation? And, uh, you know, I, I believe that uh, that any of us scripturally conscious folks will say, no, it, n- no it's not. Uh, regardless of your understanding of what baptism is and, and what happens in that, but uh, he goes deeper and he goes and talks about you know what actually is baptism. Is it just an outward sign of an inward change? Is it an appeal to God for a conscience or a good conscience? Is it a combination of the both? You know he does the Piper thing and he dives in and does so in an authoritative yet understanding and explorative manner. So I'd uh, head over to YouTube and check that out. Ask Pastor John: Is baptism necessary for salvation? You got anything, Bradley? Yeah, I, you know, just in light of the topic today, we're talking about, you know, just 
equipment and preferences and consumerism and, and how that relates to church, um, I'm going to be a little bit self-serving and, and recommend the Res Faith podcast that by the time this air episode airs should be out of what Brian taught on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there, I felt like there was some, some just really rich and good content um, for the church as a whole about how we should think about the church, yep. about being part of the church, about the church not belonging to us, but us belonging to it. Um, I thought that was a really, the, yeah, way he, the way he talked about that was just so good. Um, and if, if people will take a listen to that, I think you'll come away with some really good language and thought about how to think about your um, part, your role, your belonging to the church, the flock of God. Um, so the Res Faith podcast, um, again, by the time this airs, um, that episode should be up and uh, on our website and uh, on the podcast. So check that out. Good stuff. Uh, I am recommending what partially influenced some of this conversation uh, from the All of Christ for All of Life podcast feed, a talk by Doug Wilson called The Happy Clappy Church in Crisis. Uh, uh, like we were saying, wordsmithing, but but one of his his big things in there is is when you leave a church service, the uh, the statements that you're making should not be, man. Well, I really liked at least at the core, shouldn't be along the lines of, well, I liked this song, I didn't like that song. You know, the the preacher's shoes weren't shined properly. Uh, I did and didn't like these things. That you, what you should be coming away saying is, I really hope God was honored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like if that should be your goal in attending and and even picking out a church. Sure. Um, so, yeah, really, really good talk. Uh, the happy clappy church in crisis. So, follow us, comment on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe on iTunes, and leave a five star review. You can also support the show at Anchor.fm, where you can donate money and help us improve. If you pledge to donate $10 a month for a year, you get your choice of a Piper Drive or a Wycliffe Fuzz. Uh, we will leave you with Drew Smizer, a uh, Podcast Lounge member, uh, his demo of the Chick Delay from his YouTube channel called The Gear Dad. So go, uh, go subscribe to The Gear Dad on YouTube and listen to some Westminster demos. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, guys? Drew, the Gear Dad here this morning. I'm very excited to be demoing a pedal today. Um, come down here. This is the Chick Delay from Westminster Effects. And not only is it seemingly the most hilariously named pedal to me, um, it's also a dual delay in one. Um, and it's very simple. Um, I think it's technically a digital delay, but it, it just has that analog flavor I'm I'm getting some some backup from the Westminster Effects Edwards Overdrive right here. Um, it's a bluesbreaker type, um, and so I'm playing my Fender National Telecaster um, into the Edwards Overdrive, into the Chick Delay, into my AC15 212 with Alnico Blue speakers. Um, I'm just gonna have some fun with this thing. I'm on the bridge position. Um, really, you got delay speed, feedback, delay two, feedback two, and a mix knob for your overall mix. Um, can't really go wrong. Let's do it.
right, now I've got the gain cranked up a little more on my Edwards Overdrive. Um, and I'm going to bring this mix pretty far up. Um, just for some cool lead stuff with a dual delay here. <laughs> Well, hey, thanks for checking out the Chick Delay with me today. I could go on and on playing with this thing, but I think you get the gist of it. Um, I'll, I'll put links in below uh, for the Westminster stuff I've got here. Um, definitely go check that website out um, if you're not already there. If you're there watching this video, welcome. Buy this pedal. Give them money. Um, if you're not, click the links below. Everything they make um, is handmade in South Carolina, um, and I really love their stuff. So awesome. Thanks for watching. If there's any pedal you'd like to see me demo, comment below, um, like and subscribe, all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time.